everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Vole, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And with me tonight, Brendan McAlinden, our Photoshop guru, uh, doing a double dip uh, this week on the OFD Podcast. Uh, Jude is not uh, available with, <laughs> tonight. Uh, take, a, take, a little, take a little time off, which is good for him. So, Brendan, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing fantastic. It is a uh, beautiful Thursday uh, in the month of December, and I uh, can't wait to talk a little Notre Dame. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, uh, we are done with the regular season, so there is like a whole like world open to us uh, for possibilities to talk about. I think you guys are going to find on this podcast, there is no direction that we probably can't venture into. It may not all be good all the time, but damn it, we're going to give it a shot. So um, just before we get uh, get moving on with what we got going for you tonight, please subscribe, download, rate, review on whatever podcast form you use, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Twitcher, whatever, uh, or Twitcher, Stitcher. I don't even know. There's just so many of them, right? I think we're pretty much on ev- we're everywhere, so... Uh, please give us a good, uh, or give us a proper rating. Give us the rating that we deserve, uh, not the ranking that Notre Dame deserved. If the listeners were the committee, then we'd be getting three stars every week, regardless of what we, we if put they, out. If they, would give, if they would have to give a review along with their rating, I think they might have to change their mind because there's no way they can back up their own bullshit. So and, and right now, I mean, and, I'm looking at this playoff committee. I'm looking at the college football playoffs in general in the last like two months as a villain. And we are come upon the Christmas tide, the Christmas season. And, you know, it's all about, uh, about good things and, and being kind to one another and presence and the birth of, uh, you know, the birth of your God, if, if Christianity is your thing, um, <laughs> Which I believe both Brendan and I are Catholic. I'm just I'm trying I'm trying to be like all inclusive here uh, by yes, being coy about it. But anyways, I mean, but there's also there's villains. I mean, what there are, is there are, there are bad- a good Christmas movie without a villain, right? Every Christmas movie needs a villain. That's right. And you know what? Before we go on, I just think I think villains is just I, I think villain is just an amazing like word. Like there's a. There's a show. I don't know if you if you watch it, Brendan. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's a series that they did. Uh, it's a Netflix series called Medici, and the, the second season it had uh, Lorenzo the uh, the Magnificent calling out Patsies in front of it. Like they had just tried killing him. It was the Patsy conspiracy thing, and in front of the whole crowd, he just points at him as these men are villains. And the first time I watched that, I thought, you know what? Villains might be one of the coolest words in the English language. It is just to me, it, it is such a all-encompassing word of a of just a bad person. Uh, I but mean, because like, you can hit it with that hard V. You yeah, just go man. Villains, and you can put that like dripping with disdain when you hit somebody with a villain, uh, villain moniker. And certainly, as Notre Dame fans, we're familiar with and have our own fair share of villains, right? Oh my goodness! I think. Uh, I mean, I mean, as a program, as a as a blue blood program, it's been around for a long time. Uh, it's a it's a love them or hate them program, right? Uh, so there's definitely, you know, g- that good versus evil vibe that you know that. So there is definitely a villain within, uh, you know, there's villains all over in the Notre Dame uh, landscape. So let's. Uh, so you're right. You know, what is a good Christmas movie? Without a good villain. So before we go move to the Notre Dame side, I mean, what are some of your? Give me like three of your favorite all time Christmas movie villains. I mean, obviously, with a bullet, there is uh, the sticky slash wet bandits. Uh, depending on if you are Home Alone two or Home Alone one fan, um, they are fantastic Christmas villains trying to uh, um, steal from wherever Kevin McAllister decides to spend his Christmas by himself. Um, relentless in their relentlessly pursuit. in pursuit of one uh, Kevin McAllister. The uh, I'm not sure where you fall on the spectrum, but uh, Hans Gruber. There, there's many who uh, do and don't say that uh, 
the movie Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Uh, Nakamura Plaza was having the Christmas party, and Hans Gruber uh, staged his uh, nefarious plot at said Christmas party. And he is an all-time villain for action movies. Uh, yeah, certainly. I'm a I'm a fence rider when it comes to uh, to the Die Hard as a Christmas movie. I, I understand the arguments for, I understand the arguments against, and I don't believe I ever developed a strong opinion one way or the other. I I, I could see it, um, but I mean, like if you're asking me if I'm watching Die Hard on Christmas Eve, no, no. that's where this, I'm this, on like December fifth. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So, I mean, and I think that's the point for the Die Hard is um, I think it is a Christmas movie, but I think you need to get the fuck out of here if you're saying that it's your favorite Christmas movie because it is a Christmas adjacent <laughs> movie. It is not a Christmas movie in the truest sense. It's not, you know, it's a um, Kalamazoo's finest uh, uh, Tim Allen uh santa claus it is not will ferrell's elf as far as more modern classics miracle on 34th street i'm a big christmas right? with uh, the cranks guy christmas and, with and, the cranks. I, and that, and that uh, has that has been a recent development i um my 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 younger brother is a huge fan of the christmas with the cranks he he gets his uh he gets his laughs from the jamie lee curtis and uh tim allen uh product um yeah, i like a jingle all the way with arnold uh phil hartman's in it sinbad that is a classic yeah, I mean, and you can't. Go, you'll never go wrong with Christmas Vacation. One of the, one of the all-time, all-time, oh, all-time, all-times. Yeah, uh, cousin Eddie. Uh, I mean, it's, and see, and that's usually the movie we kick everything. Like my wife and I get really into the Christmas movie watching season, and she's like me, where though she cannot stand, like we're not lifetime Christmas movie people. Like right. we don't, we don't really, we don't back that at all. But we're big Christmas movie people, so but we usually kick it off. Uh, with you know Christmas Vacation, uh, I think Home Alone's like like one of the first. Now in Christmas Vacation, I mean, what is the what's the villain there? Is is it is it really well, is it really Chevy Chase boss, or is it, or is it just or is yes, it just the anxiety in the air? His his um his douchey his douchey USC uh, ask neighbors right Elaine and whatever her her bo- her boyfriend's uh, name is yeah. they're kind of villain. <laughs> um, and he seemingly gets the best of them every time, uh, which has sort of been like Notre Dame and USC in recent years. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're those sort of like douchey, uh, yeah, uh, yuppie, yuppie neighbors. They're kind of villainous. You could even argue that Cousin Eddie is perhaps a villain, uh, at least to at least to Clark Griswold's uh, Christmas plans. Yeah, but I mean, I would. Cousin Eddie as a Christmas villain would be along on the same lines of like one of the ghosts of Christmas past. That's true. You know, Fair. or like, um, oh, I had it. I had it in my head. I'm not going to ponder it too much longer. But, you know, like a villain along those lines where they're like, yes, they seem bad, but they're like turning you into it. You know, because if Cousin Eddie doesn't go haul him back to the to the house and break all those those state and federal laws – Clark ain't getting that bonus. No, he's so, he's he might Clark's uh, he's eating jelly. I mean, uh, he, yeah, he is I mean, not. They're not swimming in that pool. I mean, then you got to deal with a bad check. I mean, you got all sorts of issues going on if if cousin Eddie doesn't do all this. So villain, yeah, he's he's a villain in that sense where it's a villain that puts you on the right path, which is a. I mean, I don't even know if we could use the word villain with that, but uh, you know what? He's an antagonist. He's not a villain. Yeah. he's not the ca- he's not the capital V. You can't. Yeah, cousin yeah, Eddie you're right. The, you're right. He I is, we just, um, we can't put the capital V on that. You cannot. He is. You know what he is? He's Navy. <laughs> He's not a villain. You can't. I mean, no, you can't you, actively root against Navy, right? Absolutely. You can't root against Navy. He is uh, cousin Eddie is Navy, which is why I don't want to play Navy every year. I I don't I don't want to play a bunch of teams where I can't hate. Like no. I like playing Michigan because I don't I hate them. So it, it gives me that chance. It gives me that chance to to really like. Vet it out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to get emotional about things. Uh, so, well, let's talk about some of Notre Dame's uh, greatest villains. And look, we are definitely, I'm 41 years old. My Notre Dame fandom really started like probably in the 87 season. Um, you know, and I, even then I was only nine years old. Uh, so, you know, I'm more along those lines. I'm not going to talk about, um, you know, Anthony Davis. 
you know, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna talk about, about Pat Hayden. I was a fan for 15 years. What about <laughs> I'm not gonna Pat talk Hayden about. I'm not gonna talk back. about Roger Staubach. Pat down. <laughs> so uh, we're we're gonna stay within the scope of our lifetime. Um, you know, and I'm sure people are some of the people that listen to this. They're they're gonna have no clue about maybe some of the things we talk about um, because you know they were born in 19 you know 99. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. this is. Uh, to, to use the meme, uh, I mean, I'm 35, so I mean, I'm a 90s kid. So you're right around one of those, uh, yeah, you're close. yeah, we're right around the same line. Uh, you, have, you have a little bit more 80s, age 80s or uh, but this, yeah, this might be a uh, uh, only 90s kids remember kind of deal, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, that's a good There's good. Some, been some recent villains, and we'll get into that. There have been some absolute recent villains, but, okay? So, uh, so let, let, let's, let's just dive into let's just dive into them. Like, like, let's forget about like, I mean, this is like a good power rankings episode. I sure, but I'm sure, but the amount of preparation we just put into this, the 15 minute pre-call, <laughs> I don't think a power rankings in four. So let's just, let's just toss them out. So when I say Notre Dame football villain, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I mean, I'm going to pull the bandaid right off and I'm throwing out Pete the Poodle Carroll. There is nobody who exemplified the futility of Notre Dame during the era of futility and just being disgusted. Like, you knew Pete helpless. Carroll like cheating helpless. the entire time he was at USC, and you just felt helpless every single year when his, his, his team would come into town. And other than the 2005 uh, Bush push game, almost I mean, all of those games. And were Bob Davies win over. <laughs> yeah, Bob Davies hey, uh, went over the, 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 in his first year, right? Yeah, Bob's got one on him. <laughs> he does. He he certainly does. Uh, Carson Palmer was absolutely dreadful in that game, and he uh, he certainly made up for it later. <laughs> so, but US, yeah, it's, yeah for, for me, USC is is absolutely for the 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 two thousands. Um, there is nobody who is a bigger villain because. A lot of times your seasons was ending with a blowout loss to USC and it was just an inevitability and you knew that they were cheating because and it not only did you know that you were cheating and eventually we received the vindication and they got the sanctions. Yeah, right, we, were the just, we were just being like they got to be cheating. They, they just have, got, like they actually were. They actually were cheating. Not only were they buying players, but you want to go look at pictures of Brian Cushing as a freshman and then look at Brian Cushing as a senior. And he's got back knee that covers all the way up, like, you know, on top of all six layers of his shoulders. And they were juicing and, and buying players. It was just, yeah. I, it, the most villainous program of the 2000s was, for me, uh, the USC Trojans. But just as a straight villain itself, Pete Carroll. Oh yeah, because I, I, I think we can start throwing some other. And with, well, while we list the, these off, I, I believe there'll probably be another Trojan or two or three oh, uh, yeah. that come up. But yeah, because uh, Pete Carroll was the mastermind. He was the one paying for the players, and then when when the the bag when you know the the lawman came, he scooted out of town. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. I'm gonna I'll throw one out, and th- and this one's a uh, kind of a paying homage to our older listeners, and. I mean, Jimmy Johnson is definitely probably one of the all-time worst or greatest Notre Dame villains of, of all time. I mean, pig face Satan. I, you, can't, you can't draw up a, a, an uglier picture of a person than Jimmy Johnson on the sidelines. And just the absolute hate that existed between those two programs uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, Jim... Lou Holtz in the locker room talking about saving Jimmy Johnson's ass. When Jimmy left Miami for the Dallas Cowboys, he made him promise to, to go get Notre Dame. I mean, there was general hate. Uh, and as much as I respect, respect the hatred, uh, I just, I just hated. I mean, I don't like Jimmy Johnson to this day and that's years and years later. He's done nothing. He's done nothing to me since then. Nothing. No, he's just and, smiling on. And I, uh, I just, I hate Fox. him. I can't, I can't watch him on TV talking about anything. I, I can't stand Jimmy Johnson. He is one of the all-time villains. I mean, what does it say? I mean, the, right? I mean, the, he, the pro- up, he brought his team, he, he got his team off a plane in military fatigues, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, absolutely a villain. Which people know me and Camo, mad respect. 
Well, I do have bad respect for that. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, like there's so much about Jimmy that I would like. That's, the villain, gonna, which I think that's what makes Jimmy like, such a great villain to me. Uh, because so much about him as a coach and what he did at, at like at Miami is stuff that like I respect and I enjoy. Like I've always been a let your players cut them loose. You know, get the best players you can get, but cut them loose. Let them be. Let them be them. There's nothing better than you being on the football field, being able to be you. You know, you play better. You know, fast and loose, and just stuff like that. The intimidations. I mean, there's just a lot of things that I respected about it. But it's the guy that you had to go against all the all those times, and the guy that you know that just took the life out of you. Um, you know, like God, the '89 game. It's like fuck. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Johnson definitely ranks. I mean, we just listed off two of Notre Dame's greatest adversaries in the last, you know, 30 years uh, in Pete Carroll and, and Jimmy Johnson. And Ow. I mean, Snellenberger built that program up. But when people talk about my the U being back and even just the name, the U and this notion of swag and swagger, that's Jimmy Johnson and his villainy. You when, mean the, whenever they're talking the University of Coral Gables? As a yeah, when they're, when they're talking about the yeah, that shade, by the way, was absolutely next here. Getting that dub uh, last weekend and calling them uh, the University of Coral Gables. I, they've never been trash talked that bad ever. I'm here I, for that, it. I, it that, that is the ultimate insult. Uh, <laughs> you are the University of Coral Gables. Ugh. Yeah. So okay. Let's uh, let's let's just keep this ball rolling. Uh, we got two two of the big fish out of out of the sea here. Uh, what what else you so got? Both of us have gone to the well for coaches. Um, yeah. Is there a player that sticks out to you that over the course of his um, career? Um, I mean, obviously, there's an obvious David Gordon's sort of a villain, but that's just like a he, that's just a kick. David Gordon just made the kick, right? The Boston College kicker in 93. He's right. a villain, but that's just like a kick. Is there like a player over the course of his career that just... Um... Well, I mean, I got several players in mind. And I, I, I got I to tell you, though, it was, it was one season. It was one game, but it was so brutal uh, that it sticks out. And I don't think... I mean, I don't think anyone at home is going to guess this one. Um, but you should. And that's Tyler fucking Paco. Pit. Panthers. Fucking A, that's right. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, putting the knife in the back and twisting and kicking. And Paco was one of those guys that there was, you know, family was a Notre Dame. It was the ultimate, like, Pat Hayden, Tom Hammond broadcast, where you cannot bring up enough Notre Dame ties with a guy who's out there balling for the other team. And Tyler Paco, just sticking it to him. And, I mean, and again, something I respect a player just speaking his mind with emotion after a game, uh, you know, going off like that on national television. That was fantastic. Uh, but it also made him a huge villain because, because that's the kind of thing that makes that made pit fans think they were worth something. Like it, it made pit fans feel like they were on the same level as Notre Dame. And to me that that's treacherous. That's, that's, you're, that's what a villain would do. And Palco put him up on that level. He gave him a rallying cry. He gave him a banner to carry. And, uh, yeah, you, you can't have that. Yeah, it's funny because um, my wife's from originally the Pittsburgh area, and all of her family lives out, um, you know, extended family lives out in Pennsylvania. And a lot of them are Pitt fans, right, because they lived 30 minutes from Pitt. And the, sh- the first time I ever went to visit my wife's family was just after that Tyler Palco Pitt game. And the amount of crow that I had to just sit there and eat from her, her cousins and her uncle uh, after Tyler fucking Palco was because <laughs> going into the season, like we, I didn't think I've never thought much of any pit quarterback. And I don't think Tyler Palco had a particularly good season up until that point, but. No, it just, it just, it was one of the, it was, it's why the combination of Pat Hayden and Tom Hammond was like the worst in history because Hammond was just terrible to begin with, but Hayden would like always find the thing to like keep repeating throughout the day, which a lot of color, I mean, which a lot of 
analysts do. Um, but, you know, Hayden went beyond like, trying to be an analyst. Like, he wasn't a Mayock. He was, you know, he just kept repeating the same human interest piece. And part of it was, uh, I, and I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that was, this was one of the ones where, you know, Palco's family was Notre Dame fans, and he loved Notre Dame growing up, and yada, 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 yada. You know, you heard about it when Luke Cookley was at BC and shit like that. You know, that's just the kind of stuff that, that just, you're just dropping acid into my veins. And, you know, when that stuff just keeps hitting and then they're winning and then they win, you know? Right. <laughs> and I mean, not only do they win, but they win in an absolute shootout. Yeah. And Paul out there just like spinning the rock. Notre Dame, like who did, didn't Andy, didn't, didn't Notre Dame the week before went down to Knoxville in front of 110,000 and beat Tennessee. And then the next, week they show up and Tyler fucking Palco is out there just spinning the rock like Dan Marino. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ugh. yeah. So like, yeah, so he ranks up and I know that's not going to be most Irish fans, like biggest villain as a, as a player, but I, I, I'm totally being totally honest. When we, when I thought villain player first, first name that popped up Tyler fucking Palco. So do you, you got one? As far as a, a yeah, villain, give me a, give, give, me a play, give me a villain player. Oh man, um, I mean, for me, it has to be um, it has to be Denard Robinson, right? Because there's nobody. I mean, he's definitely a villain, yes. <laughs> and it's not just the one time because we did end up finally getting him in 2012. The luck ran out. It was a, but 2010. He went off on Notre Dame as no player has ever in the history of the program gone off. They, he went off. Well, he, made, like he, made he made Notre Dame, Michigan, a freaking pal football game. He won two September Heisman's in back to back years on, <laughs> on the basis of the Notre Dame game. Because, like, the 2010 game, there was Kyle Rudolph, the most glorious player. Like, ripping the hamstrings. Comes out. There is a rainbow in the background as Kyle Rudolph is running the ball into the end zone, and you're like, "This is it. We have, we have, we have achieved peak um, polarity. Everything in the world is finally aligned and is perfect." And then and he runs and just can't tackle him. Can't, can't. He's throwing arm punts and can't stop him. And Michigan ends up winning that game. And then the next year. The same fucking thing. Notre Dame goes up big. It looks, it's like, all right, fine. Order's established. And then once again, Denard Robinson orchestrates like an 18-point fourth quarter to come back and win the game. Absolute villain. Just ruins two seasons. Brutal. I mean, I, I mean, he may, I mean, every stereotype about Notre Dame being slow. And this, uh, Denard did that to lots of teams. But like, he just made that stereotype come alive in those moments, you know? Yeah. He just made linebackers look slow and plotting. And they, I mean, they, they were, which they kind of were anyway. I mean, they kind of were, um, it, it wasn't until 2012 when, when Manti finally uh, came of age. Um, right. Cause I think didn't man, Manti picked him at like twice, at least twice. Um, they, yeah, and I think he, he threw he like straight. Even as good as Manti, even as good as Manti was like, especially like in 2010, you know, Carlo, you could run away, you could run away from, from him as a lot. Yeah. Carlos Calabrese, who I personally enjoyed quite Probably. a bit. Yeah. He's not chasing anybody. He's not chasing too many guys down. No, Dan Fox is not chasing anyone down. Um, uh, whatever the rotation was at linebacker. I think, I don't know. Um, I think Brian Smith wasn't on the 2010 team. It was tater tot that uh, Brian Smith got chuked out of, but yeah, there was, there was not really a glut of talent at linebacker and it was never more apparent than when um, Denard Robinson was just abusing Notre Dame on, on, on the outside. So yeah, stick, it on the, villain. stick it on the players thing. And, and I mean, we've, we've already brought up, you know, Pete Carroll and USC, but I mean, let, let's rank, Liner Bush and Lendell White, like like as the triumvirate of evil, like how do you how do you rank those three? Because we, we we can we can totally agree that all three of them were straight villains, right? I mean, what, villains. what was, what was it? Lendell White like look right at the uh, camera, like right at the camera, and just say straight up Notre Dame sucks. Uh, in, in one of the games, like give it a little yeah. hand sign, yeah. Well, um, the rumors state, right? Supposedly the rumors were that, uh, Reggie Bush was all hot to trot to end up committing to Notre Dame. Right. That that's an absolute, until he, until he went to the game and 
Yeah, well, yeah. I the Bagman showed up because Reggie because he was one of he uh, right because he had the apartment um, and his family got housing and all that kind of stuff. So is is he he was the one that pushed Liner? Um, but see, the thing about Reggie Bush is, and and on the Fox pregame show, I don't know how you feel about it, but like Reggie Bush is charismatic as all hell. And he's a handsome guy, and he doesn't say jerkish things to anybody. And he didn't have to give his Heisman back. I don't. Uh, I don't dislike Reggie Bush. I do not as a, as a person, Bush. as a commentator, and that that's that's that takes a lot to say as a Notre Dame fan. But you're but you're absolutely right. Like his post USC life has Indeed. made him a likable person to me. Matt Liner though. No, I, I want to punch a, him in his goddamn and, smug face and every time. He I says him. nothing. Like I can, <laughs> I can put a, a fucking parrot up there, and they are as insightful as Matt Liner. Like he may, like Brady Quinn, I think does a great job. But he Liner makes job. Quinn look like a fucking Einstein. Ready for the in, in the in the way that they look and analyze, it. like Liner's got the job because he's got the job. You know what I mean? Because like, yep, you know, he's here's a U.S. That. A former Heisman USC quarterback, you know, and he he can talk confidently, but he's not really saying anything. He has that like you know what I'm talking. He has that California just woke up, that just woke up surfer yeah. dude look, <laughs> and he's got that face right the the five o'clock perma stubble, but like it's a groomed perma stubble. Like he worked really hard to look We're, like he just woke up, yeah, and every it's time like everybody I, out in L.A. I just want to pay thousand dollars and look like they're homeless. Yeah. To look like they're exactly. And they got like their hair looks massive. Shout out to Greg friend of the pod. Uh, yep. Greg friend of the pod. Uh, I think this is uh, back to back uh, mentions of uh, Greg on the, on the, <laughs> but yeah, Wendell white, um, the damage that he did to Notre Dame just over the, the, the three years, I, I, really it's just, it was the two years, the, um, Four and five, right? For Lendell. Did he come back for the 2006 game? I don't think so. Oh, man. I'm not, I'm not, my brain's not working that good. I think the whole battery left in 2006, and that's when we got housed by John David Booty, right? Is that the, I think But so, as far as the damage done to Notre Dame, um, if we're going to rank them, Lendell White said the meanest things. Reggie Bush probably did the meanest things. But um, Matt Leiner just, he's a piece of shit. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go Leiner, Lendell, then, then Bush. Where, 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 where's your head at for? I am. I think I got to go Lendell White first. He just, he was so brutal in that I, I always thought I, I could never understand why USC didn't use him more. Like, like I, you understood like how good Reggie Bush was right. And his speed and all that. And, but you watching London white, he just beat the shit out of you. Yeah. And, and he, he absolutely like, it just felt like he put it on Notre Dame and just, you know, the shot of the sideline, him calling out Notre Dame. I mean, now you look back at it and that just, I'm a huge rivalry person, right? Like I love everything about hate and rival and rivalries. And so I respect the hell out of all that. Um, I've said that a million times already tonight, but I mean, it's just, just how I roll. But at the time you're just like motherfucker. And so, yeah, I, I put Lindell white one. I put, I put liner two and Bush three. And I, I, I just, I think that's a solid ranking right there. I, I think white liner Bush it doesn't really matter. They, they, the unholy Trinity uh, of those three, along with, you know, Pete care. I mean, it was just such an evil and dark time. Uh, it really was like, you know, the fall of the empire star Wars style. It was awful. Yeah. It was awful. They're it was awful. just, and they got, they eventually got their comeuppance, um, which it's always nice when villains get their comeuppance in the end of the movie, uh, which they have. And now they're paying their penance as a, uh, now they get another year of uh, Clay Helton. So good for USC. Um, you know, the, the post Pete Carroll era of futility uh, looks like it's going to be uh, soldiering on for a, for a little, uh, for a little bit longer. Who said uh, Carmel wasn't real. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's move in a little bit of a different direction and I'm gonna have you answer this first. And while you do, while you're answering, I got to go run and get me another drink. I didn't bring any more in here. 
So, but, uh, you know, one of the things about Notre Dame is we're on national TV all the freaking time. And it's been that way for a long time. So not, not like the new thing where everyone's on TV. And yeah. so there are definitely broadcasters out there oh, who have and become media. and, and yeah, and the media. So let, let's, let's all encompassing here. So I'm going to, I'm going to make a quick run, uh, <laughs> to the fridge, but, uh, tell me, tell, tell everybody who you believe, you know, give me, give me one of your best, uh, Notre Dame media villains. I mean, if we're looking at, um, the media is pretty much all encompassing. Notre Dame has had a lot of detractors over the years. Um, Certainly, there was some love lost with, and I think a lot of it broke bad eventually with the uh, the Fiesta Bowl invite in '96 when a six-four and one Notre Dame team got invested invited to the Fiesta Bowl, and I think that's what broke a lot of people's opinions of the program. Or was it the '94 team, six-four and one, got invited to the uh, Fiesta Bowl? Um, and since then, there has been sort of this this uh, hated relationship in the NBC deal certainly hasn't endured us to a lot of things, uh, whether what your stance is on the media bias from ESPN because Notre Dame's on NBC and ESPN has to pay for the rights. I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, well, obviously you have seen, but here's something to be cognizant of going into this bowl season. And when you look at Notre Dame highlights, and this is something that I pounded the table on for years because my villain is ESPN and (laughs) as a whole, and here's one of the – I don't think that ESPN hates us because we show up onto their network and we do big ratings. But there's these subtle things that they do that just drives me absolutely bonkers. If you watch a post-game highlight, I, I, I love to watch um, – you know, the uh, college football final, and now it's got, uh, you know, Jesse Palmer's uh, hosting it or is the, the host of it right now. And um, if you ever watch – a Notre Dame highlight, if Notre Dame has a home game against any team, right, a game on NBC, the highlights will be one touchdown and then maybe one other poignant play. And that's all that they will show. It doesn't matter what the game is. It's just one play and a highlight. And if you ever watch a Notre Dame with their advertising for Notre Dame to be on a football game, and this is something that you're going to want to be cognizant of uh, when you watch uh, highlights for the Camping World Bowl, um, Right when they're hyping it up, find me a highlight that ESPN plays where Notre Dame is wearing their home blues. You will not. Every you. single highlight, and you can go back and look at, at highlight clips of like the hype games leading up to stuff. They will show every single Notre Dame highlight for half the year. It was games, uh, the Louisville game where they showed the highlights. They will not pay money to NBC to show a single Notre Dame blue jersey, and that drives me up a wall. <laughs> I think. Now that you say that, though, I've I've had that thought and I've 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 paid attention to that, and there I I know that there was a time that they did, and it shocked the hell out of me. Like I I don't believe it was this year though. It was last year, I think. Um, oh God, it might have been like a USC clip. Um, it had to have been where they they used it in a in a highlight um, package. Yeah, the, well, uh, they'll sometimes use like, it. Like, like, they'll use an like icon the, video for the uh, game day crew, right? Where they're like coming to your okay. city and they'll show it, but they won't show the in the uh, like live. Because I think if you have to show a, a live, like a, a highlight package, you have to pay. I don't know if you have to pay money or something, but um, there is no arrangement between NBC and ABC CBS or ABC ESPN. So yeah, they will not show a Notre Dame uh, blue blue jersey. It is, uh, and I actually believe that. Um, I don't even actually believe it. I do have the screenshot of it when they were hyping um, a Notre Dame, the Notre Dame uh, um, Florida State game. They showed the picture of uh, Everett Golson in that game wearing an Adidas jersey because they didn't have a picture of Everett Golson in an Under Armour jersey wearing the home away, wearing the away whites. So they had to to show a picture of Everett Golson in uh, an Adidas jersey. Like, you know, that was halfway through the season and they couldn't, they couldn't find a Under Armour shot of Everett Golson to put on their network because they're cheap, petty <laughs> bastards. Yeah, they're always, I mean, but like, okay, so speaking of ESPN, I, I think we get, you, you have to point out probably one of the, it's a recent thing and it was a, it was a very powerful thing throughout the whole year. Rick Riley is probably one of the all-time great Notre Dame villains because of the 
the whole, not just like Notre Dame is irrelevant, but like wanting them to be relegated to, you know, to a low, to the Ivy league, basically like calling them out flat out, um, you know, about all that. And that was a theme that whole year in 2012, win after win, after win, after win, there was the whole relevancy thing. And that was, you know, game day came back to Notre Dame, um, for the Stanford game that year, uh, half the signs that you saw there from Notre Dame fans were about being relevant. It, it was a, it was a, it was something that everyone got behind. And if I, I mean, Capron Lewis Moore like texted or called Rick Riley, like right after the USC game. Uh, it's one of the great things about that icon video. And just as a, as an aside, I like the old icon videos, the raw, yeah. it's too polished not for me. <laughs> and I don't, I don't like them. It would be good for them. I, I mean, they they really have, they really have developed their craft. Uh, I just like the raw look uh, and feel of uh, the old icon videos. Just, just as an aside there, but, but yeah, well, the, that that was like a like huge thing all season long. Yeah. Was that? Did you read the? Riley ended up flipping the story after the season. He ended up making it about him and wrote like a big long Mia Copa article. He, that, right. That's what makes him like the one of the worst freaking villains of all time. Uh, well, you know, was was that he did that because it's about him, right? He made it about him, not about uh, a team that you know had destiny calling. Uh, if they would have got Kansas State <laughs> instead of Alabama, uh, yeah, he, he made, spray. Yeah, he made you know he made it all about all about him. I mean, uh, I mean, I. Of all the media members and the things that have been said and done throughout the years, I think Rick Riley's that that whole thing probably sticks out the most because it was a, it wasn't just one moment, it was a season long, you know, kind of like thing. Because you know, once once someone makes like a, a halfway intelligent um, point in the uh, against Notre Dame, not to say that they're correct or anything like that, but like somebody who just isn't spouting off, you know, just a, a rant of shit. People will use that, and they'll use everything they say is like they still use it now, right? They use it as fact instead of opinion. It uh, sets the it sets the narrative. You're right because you still hear it now. Absolutely, you did not hear about the word irrelevant was not used because it's stupid. It's 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 a it's a, it's a term that should never be applied to Notre Dame as a football program because anybody and everybody that actually has a clue. We'll tell you how, I mean, how relevant are they? That they're, every stadium they go to, the attendance goes up. You know, even if it's a if it's a dump place, people will come. I mean, the relevance of Notre Dame, how much people hate them makes them relevant. I mean, it's, it has nothing to do, so they haven't won a national title in 30 years. Well, point to all these other programs that haven't done it either and like tell me. Two in the right. last, uh, I, I would argue, I mean, going to the playoffs is playing for a title, right? I mean. Is Georgia relevant? No, they haven't won a title since 1980. Nope, they're totally irrelevant. Yep, you're right. I mean, come on, that makes no sense to say that. And if you're talking about relevancy in that terms, then what are we talking? We're talking about schools from Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, Clemson. Is that it? Is that is that the, is that basically the last decade? Did I just did I just nail the last decade worth of national champions? Because if you want to talk about relevancy. Um, Alabama's won five, five, six, six in Auburn's won a national title, right? With uh, Cam and the Bagman. Yeah. Um, Florida State won one in 2013. Ohio State won one in 2014. And then Clemson's won two. That's like the last decade has been essentially um, three, four states winning national titles. And if you go even further back, you can get Florida being in, the, there's only three states of relevance or four states of relevancy Florida, Florida, Texas, Florida. Texas. Texas um, won it in 2006. Yeah. Um, and then you, and then USC's run LSU. But I mean, now we're talking 15 years. We're, right. we're starting to get in the weeds now. Right. I mean, we're like, I mean, you can go back 20 years and it, it still doesn't matter. It, it's a, it's a dumb, you know, you know, who's irrelevant? Rutgers. Michigan. Rutgers. Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers is fucking irrelevant. I had to get it in there. It was a, you know, congratulations, big 10. You're stuck with them. You know? uh, Maryland. Um, irrelevant. Purdue. Um, irrelevant the western division of the big 10 yeah nebraska irrelevant irrelevant yeah yeah Um, so i mean that's what just made that whole thing just so heated because it was such a hot take 
from someone look and people have put Rick Riley up on this like massive sports writing pedestal. And I mean, I guess I've never really cared for him and always thought he was kind of full of shit yeah. and hot air. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's differences, right? Like he's a good writer. Like, you know, like he, a lot, you know, like Wright Thompson's a good writer. Rick Riley's a good writer. Yeah. He's good at, he's good at long form prose, um, but which is, but it his doesn't takes, mean that the substance is good. Right. It doesn't mean that his takes are worth a shit. They're takes. You know, if, if I could write like that, my hot takes would be amazing too. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? But, but I, it's, it, it, so it just makes it all that much more magnified. And I honestly, I mean, of all the media hate that Notre Dame faces throughout the years, I can't, that season, that moment, that article was the one that absolutely takes the cake. Like I, that is the absolute villain. I think you were right because that is one of the two, that is a narrative that is stuck with, he said a narrative that is stuck with Notre Dame and you still, you will see it when people show up in one foot down message boards from other fan bases or in your mentions on Twitter about relevancy. There is a there's another person from the the mothership that did throw Notre that had a bone to pick with Notre Dame and threw him under the bus very similarly that stuck around with Notre Dame for a while and that's Michael Wilbon in the hit piece that he put out on them in 2004 for the firing of Tyrone Willingham and painting the university as being this bastion of um, racism like never mind Father Hesburgh and the work through civil rights. Um, that the University of Notre Dame has and the fact that they're one of the, you know, uh, uh, pioneer in integration or, in sports. Or, you know, the fact that they just absolutely went to town on the KKK one day. Yeah, that they went to town <laughs> I mean, on the there's, KKK. There's, there's, and this a, is a, there's a pretty, you know, they were integrated far sooner than your Southern schools. Uh, not as early as Michigan State, who was a no, I, yeah, they are absolutely leader were. in that. But, but Michigan State at the time also wasn't a university. They were a um, state college, right? They sure. were the Michigan Agricultural College for, for a number of years when they got a lot of that in there. Um, Notre Dame, there's, there's a picture of uh, Father Hesburgh hand-in-hand with Martin Luther King. There's a statue of it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and you have Michael Wilbon because Notre Dame had the audacity to fire a head coach that spent his off-seasons golfing. Right where he didn't recruit for the last two years of his program, and you, I mean, all throughout the you know mid two thousands and throughout Charlie Weiss's tenure, you heard the, you know the overtones of Notre Dame being a racist institution. Jason, and here's the right thing. Right. And here's the thing. When when Ty was hired, there was a lot of optimism yeah. and a lot of hope for you know for Tyrone Williams, and there was I mean a lot of gratitude from fans. Um, be, you know, because, you know, like that was a big deal that they hired an African-American as a head coach. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it makes, I mean, it makes, it made a lot of sense. Um, looking back like resume wise, I mean, you know, hindsight's 2020 probably wasn't. <laughs> no, I mean, had but, one good but, at the, time, but at the time it wasn't like there wasn't, there wasn't this up in arms thing about it, There wasn't like a closeted or like blanketed racism Racist. going on with. With no. uh, with Tyrone William, fans were generally optimistic and hopeful and glad that Tyrone Willingham was hired. As, as from what I can remember, now look, there was the internet as we know it wasn't around, so you know Facebook yeah. wasn't around, so we couldn't get every asshole's opinion out there. Right. But from everything I could gather, it, and, it was a, it was a very optimistic, very hopeful you know time when we hired him, and then the season started happening. Um, you know what. Once you know, once Boston College came in with and beat us with their green jerseys on, everything yeah. went downhill from there. And you could, you know, just it didn't, it didn't recruit. Out, it didn't take long to figure out when signing day would come and go. You know, this isn't going to work out. It's I I did some research a while back. Um, and the only reason they gave Notre Dame gruff was because of the they Notre Dame always gave their head coaches five years. It wasn't like it's not a law anywhere, right? Like, no. can you imagine? Well, I every think program in the country part of it too their- is that Wilbon is a Chicago kid who went to Northwestern, well, and I think he just had a stick up his ass about Notre Dame. Well, the which is why, for sure. But you know, he wasn't the only one. There was a no. rallying call all over the place. I mean, even you know, one of Notre Dame's own professors went ballistic. Yeah. But I mean, there, you know, <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. You know, he. I mean, I think you can. I goes out. I goes out to another. 
you know, historical yeah, power, uh, you know, in Washington. And it gets even worse. There's a great book called Bow Down um, about Ty's time in Washington and the fact that he was practicing his putting in practice. Like he never coached. No. Like he, he didn't he didn't actually do any coaching when he was at Washington. His assistants did it, and then he made these decisions not even really based off of what they had recommended. I mean, it was, it was a very um, – it was a weird time. I mean, and not only that, but Ty had his foot out the door for Washington while at Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame did Willingham a favor because it's what he wanted to do anyways, and he looked like the good guy on the out. But Wilbon, you know, absolutely made it a just a much bigger issue. Because, like, look, let's face it, some of the issues, some of the points and issues that Wilbon brought up because because of that are absolutely valid. There isn't enough African American coaches in college football or in the NFL or in the NFL in general. Absolutely, yeah, not. it is absolutely skewed. I mean, it, it's it, no no no. There's no simpler stat than to show who's playing the game and who's coaching the game to show you that some there just Something's isn't something right. right. But that does not make that individual proper just because he fits the demographic that you're looking for. That's, that's absolutely especially but, not when in, in Tyrone Willingham's case where um, there have been two seasons in the internet era of recruiting. And I think it goes back as far as 2000 that you can look up yes. recruiting rankings. There have been two seasons in the history of Notre Dame football where they finished outside of the top 25 in recruiting. And both of those classes were in like – the forties and fifties. That's like Purdue territory. They were signing and the 2007 season is the failure that it was almost in a direct correlation with the fact that Tyrone Willingham did not recruit football players. He, it wasn't just that he was signing trash players. He just wasn't signing classes. Uh, and if it would have been, if they would have let Tyrone Willingham continue to coach at Notre Dame and given him the five years, like it would have been a reclamation project that might have taken a full decade, like Washington's did. So I jumped on twenty four seven real quick just to check uh, just to check out the actual rankings, and it goes back to ninety nine, which it shows ninety nine, and it has Notre Dame as the number one team, number one uh, recruiting class in the country in ninety nine. Right, which is insane to me. Then in two thousand, they're the number ten recruiting class. Two thousand and one, they are the number like twelve recruiting class or something like that. I, and so before, Look you know, before, Ty, before Ty got there, we're not talking about, these aren't like great years that Notre Dame yeah. was having. And so, you know, 2002, I, they, I believe they jumped back or they stayed on, on they pack. fired Bob Davey. So that, that's a lost recruiting season, right? Cause it's a fired season. Yes. And then, so to that 2003, the seventh, ranked recruiting class. Yep. So family. after Ty, Ty's first recruiting class was a seven, like height level max. 2004, your national ranking for a Notre Dame recruiting class. Number 35. What kind of teams are in front of Notre Dame at that point? Oh man. I don't, I don't know. Let's see. Oh, let's. Okay. Yeah. So 2004, 35, let's just say Notre Dame was bracketed by Virginia tech and Wisconsin. But Boston College had the 32. Um, North Carolina had 28. Arizona State had 23. Washington State had 22. Bama was at 21. Purdue had, to, Bama. Purdue had 17. Uh, you know, <laughs> How mean, many times in the history of Notre Dame football has Purdue finished ahead of Notre Dame in the recruiting that, rankings? That was Lord. Oh, it gets worse. Yeah. Oh, the next season is the one where the, the death knell. 2005, which – which wasn't a, which this is not a Charlie Weiss class. Like no, you can never pin that that first. They say the first class. They make sure they say the first full class, because this isn't anybody that Weiss recruited up until like the month up. But that class was ranked 39th in the country. 39th. That's amazing. How poor, and it, it wasn't like. It wasn't like Weiss added a whole lot when he got there to the club. No, I mean, he, he, he didn't do a Brian Kelly and add like five guys real quick, you know, when he first got there. It, it was just amazing. And then you, you, so you how go big are those? But the other part, too, is how big are those classes? They're like 12 kids, right? 
Yeah, it was the numbers were absolutely low. So what's Weiss do in 2006? And 2006 is a is a is a really interesting class, and I've done some some uh, analysis on this class over the years. But you know, it was they had like 26 kids or something like that. It was it ended up being ranked fifth in the country. A lot of them didn't pan out, um, but it was Charlie Weiss out there recruiting his ass off. Um, you know, and just like flashing his rings and and just going after stars. But, you know, and then in 2007, I want to say the class was, um, was, yeah, so he went from fifth in 05 to second. It was second. No, it was six in 07. I'm sorry, fifth in 06, six in 07. And then the number two class in 2008 with an asterisk because Alabama was number one in that year. But a few of their kids didn't qualify, end up not qualifying for Alabama. So in actuality, for guys that were actually able to get into college, and that's uh, the Manti or, class, right? One recruiting class. Was that the Manti class? The 2008 class was the Manti class. Uh, yes, Mike, it was Manti, Michael Floyd. It was uh, basically the who's who of um, no, what made Manti, Oh no, no, Manti was the 2009 class. Oh, 2009. This oh, that's is, right. Because he, uh, and Chris, Kyle Rudolph, Ethan Johnson, Darius Fleming. Trevor Robinson, Steve Filer, Jonas Gray, uh, Sean Swiner. Um, Jonas Gray is a five-star, right? John just, Goodman, fair, ca- fair catch and balls. Catch, yeah. Robert Blanton, um, Brandon Newman out there trashing Notre Dame on Barstool. Uh, Capron Lewis Moore, one of the greatest leaders in Notre Dame history. That doesn't get enough credit. Oh, uh, Michael Jr., legacy. Uh, David Puzlesny, uh <laughs> legacy that didn't live up. Um, yeah, it was – but. We're definitely getting off the beaten path of villains here. Uh, no, no, you were right on path of villains because I think what we've just established is that Tyrone Willingham was a villain. Yes. Oh, absolutely. From the inside. Yeah. Absolutely. From the inside, he was he, he was definitely a uh, an agent of evil from the inside. Yeah, that was that hail Hydra <laughs> moment, right? Yeah. Happens out that. <laughs> Ty just leaned over to Wilbon and whispered, "Hail Hydra." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I just picture Chuck riding that elevator and having like all the the guys try and come at him, and you got old Charlie Weiss just like throwing haymakers. <laughs> all right, so we are damn near an hour. So let's do a a lightning round. Let's see how we can do this. Um, we're just we're just gonna go back and forth and give a name because we there is there's a ton of villains out there we didn't talk about. So let, let's just go back and forth here for the next like minute or so, and let's toss out some some uh, some villainous names uh, for Notre Dame football. Mark so, D'Antonio, Elvis Gerbach. Uh, oh, if we're going uh, uh, Michigan, um, I'll say uh, Jonas Gray's um, never-ending gaze into Michigan receivers' eyes. <laughs> Bo Schembechler. Um, well, we don't want to go full, full Michigan. A uh, Drew Brees. Urban Meyer. Oh, that one cuts deep. That one cuts yeah, deep. That, that, that one deserved an explanation, Urban Meyer, but, uh, we'll, we'll keep going. Uh, Andrew Luck. David Shaw. Oh, nice one. Nice one. Um, let's go with, um, uh, Tom Hammond. How about Tommy Vardell? Oh, touchdown Tommy Vardell. Um, how about the, uh, uh, Notre Dame season ticket holders in the 2017 football season selling their tickets to Georgia fans? That's villain. Oh, that, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, Matt Ryan. Oh, Matt Ryan. Um, uh, how about, um, Toby Gerhardt, Stanford running back, that 2009. God, uh, there's Stanford on here all of a sudden. There's, I mean, we, we, this is a totally run goes, Totally goes with my Stanford as a rival theory. <laughs> Ken Niamata Lolo. Uh, oh, what's uh, Darnell Autry? Oh, the, the, the veer back or whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah, if we're going to go, if we want to go Navy centric, um, Obviously, we can go uh, old Dodd, right? Or Dennis or Dobbs, Ricky Dobbs, yeah, Ricky Dobbs, which which just brings Paul Johnson, mm. one of the one of the cooler villains of of all time. He is a very good villain. 
specifically for what he did to BBG. BBG. Oh, BBG. Oh, oh BBG. Oh, how did we? How did we go this entire hour without did, mentioning I mean, Crybaby? I mean, we got not we got BBG blitzing. and Urban Meyer in the lightning round. That's how. That's how, how did we not mention not blitzing Jalen uh, Smith in this entire thing? Um, uh, John Tenuta um, deciding Harrison Smith was a linebacker. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, here, here's a linebacker. Demetrius Jones, former Cincinnati Bearcat linebacker. Oh, came Miller. back and beat him. Yeah, came back and, and beat Notre Dame. No, uh, no, no, no. He never played Notre Dame. No, did, didn't uh, did, didn't Demetrius or not Demetrius Jones? Uh, who's the quarterback? The um, oh, Zach Frazier. Zach Frazier is a villain because he uh, transferred from uh, Notre Dame, went to UConn, came back and beat him. But in that same class, that quarterback class, villains. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that was against Jimmy, villains. Villains, yeah. Uh, the guy outside of uh, the linebacker that punched out Jimmy Clausen before the Stanford game. Are we sure? I, I keep hearing it. Was, I don't know the whole story. <laughs> I had it coming, but everyone else has got it. But I, I guess I never really cared much. I heard of something about George West. Uh, I heard something about Carlo Calabrese's dad. <laughs> Might have punched him out. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what it was. I guess I never really cared. Uh, I'm Team Jimmy for life as it is. Uh, how about um, uh, oh, why can't I think of his name? The guy that does all the the the, the rivals recruiting guy, Mike Farrell. Yeah, no. Mike. What? Yeah. Mike Farrell isn't that the rivals recruiting guy? Yeah, Mike Farrell. Mike Farrell. Yeah, uh, for continuously underranking Notre Dame players. There's people that would argue he overranks them. Uh, Mike like Jackson. Uh, Keith Jackson. Oh, not a big Keith. Uh, an iconic voice of the sport, but um, don't have a ton of fond memories specific to my our team uh, with Keith Jackson. For that uh, matter, Tim Brando. Oh God, yeah, Tim Brando. Uh, you can put Mushmouth Musburger on there too. Uh, uh, I, I, I'll never say a bad word about about old gambling Brett. Uh, yeah, Uncle Brett did. Uh, he did like to let you know if he hit the over on the game. <laughs> God bless him. God bless him for that. Uh, he did drive me bonkers in that 2012 game when the knife twisting, just talking about uh, whatever. Um, uh, what's her name? Catherine Webb was that? Uh, was that the the late the girl's name? Oh yeah, yeah. Or yes, yes, it was. I think it, I think it was. <laughs> the fact that I know that. Thank you, Brent Musburger, for that. <laughs> um, you know, you know. Here, here's here's a villain that that I should duck for and for one reason, one reason alone. And that's Beano cook, but only because of Ron him, Paul. only of him just killing Ron Palace's PR. Now Beano was a guy who hated Notre Dame, but respected the shit out of Notre Dame. Like, you know, you knew the guy didn't like him and that's he fine. Was a, he was a pit guy, but, right? But he, but he respect, guy. respected him enough as a pro. He respected him as a program completely. And didn't didn't try to belittle them, but you knew he didn't like them. But when he said Bron Paulus was going to win uh, multiple Heisman's, that that was the killer right there. It was the death knell. Um, whoever uh, Talk Jimmy Clausen, Jimmy Clausen's uh, stretch Hummer limo driver is also and, a and his barber. <laughs> it is barber, <laughs> which is uh, ridiculous, man. right? Like people hate Jimmy Clausen because of his haircut. Like come ACC, on, like ACC like, that is one of the worst things you could ever see. ACC officials in 2014 for absolutely jobbing Notre Dame and the worst officiating mistake ever. The mo- worst officiating call of the entire 2010s that Notre Dame faced, right? That that pick play that gets yeah, run every you, single you week. You just missed the 2009 uh, Armando Allen <laughs> in the big house. <laughs> yeah, well, because, yeah, Armando Allen. Big Ten you say, you say 2010s get you, gets you out of that mess. Gets me out of that one, yeah, because Armando definitely did not step out of bounds. I think uh, it's needless to say there are plenty, plenty of Notre Dame. I mean, we barely scratched the surface of, uh, of Notre Dame villains in this case. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how, how much it is. And, and that's, I think that's the sign of a healthy program. It's a More, sign of a program that, that, as Pete Sample would say, that's a you're you know that's a really healthy place to be in. If you don't have programs that you hate, then guess what? You're Rutgers because Rutgers doesn't hate anybody except themselves. <laughs> they got a whole lot of self-loathing going on. Uh, good for them for getting the jo- getting that uh, job done with getting Shiano in. They were the dumbest. That was the never do you go into a negotiation with telling the other person like you're it. 
Like yeah. you, you have no leverage in the game. You have no skin of the game, man. No. I mean, you might as well just say, write your own check. And he uh, did. And he got his <laughs> assistance. And I look forward to him at some point. The only but, thing I want from Greg Schiano is to at some point finish third in the Big Ten West because that means Michigan finished fourth. Fourth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's uh, we're we're definitely on the same lines there. I mean, f- God, come on, Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, how Get disappointed together. was it that Penn State, one of the more overrated programs this con- you know this season for sure. Uh, you yeah. know, rivalry week, you're looking for a good upset. They got fucking Rutgers. Rutgers, like, yeah. Like what happened to them in in the Land Grant Trophy with Michigan State? Why wasn't that? Well, I don't understand that that's not a thing because Michigan State's busy playing Maryland on their their rivalry weekend. It doesn't make any sense. It wouldn't make more sense for Rutgers and Maryland to play each other. Rutgers and Maryland, we could we could could, the ACC bros, right? They could they could Rutgers um, East open up, but they're on that coast. Yeah, they're on that coast. There's there's a lot more there's a lot more at stake there between Maryland and Rutgers. Yeah, I think that's an argument of Pinot versus uh, Pinot versus Chardonnay um, <laughs> between Rutgers and Maryland ACC Big East. Uh, they're definitely white wine drinkers. Uh, you know, you know, I just, I just thought of it was as a massive villain, the city of Fresno in recruiting, because nobody wants to come. They always say they want to, then they don't. Except for T. Shepard, and then he left. And then he left. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, city of Fresno is uh, a lover's scorn uh, time and time again. Just a big tease. Like constantly constantly putting, showing some leg. And they're just never, never giving the goods. And then, and then Bolton to Houston to be forgotten about. Yeah. Oh, man. That, that class had some uh, – because that was, that was the Deontay Greenberry class. Yeah, too. yeah. That's exactly what I was referencing was that Greenberry, him and Shepard cousins. Remember Shepard was a huge recruiting. Greg, Greg Bryan dra- was drama. Anyways, was. You know, US, like, it was like USC, like an in and out burger hanging out with him. I, there was all sorts of like stories about, you know, Shepard and Greenberry was always like the quiet one throughout the whole time. Yeah. And then the signing day thing, like what's up with Deontay? Oh, he just signed with Houston. Just out of no, and then you never saw him again. And that wasn't even like vintage Houston. Yeah, it was just kind of, it was one of the stranger, uh, the, the, definitely one of the stranger recruiting things of all time. But yeah, the city of Fresno, and it continues to this day. I mean, there's uh, even like last year, the Fresno thing, even right now, uh, not so much maybe with Jalen McMillan, but it's not really. He's, Who's, I mean, I don't know. Is that is that door closed, by the way? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, that's closed. Okay. Which is fine. I mean, Notre Dame still may be knocking, but it's close. It's fine. He, he said some things. I, I, can't, I don't know if it was a premium article or not uh, with Tom Loya, but, but basically, it, yeah, he's, he's good with Washington, and that's fine. And what was nice, though, was that in, within the article, he, seemed, he wasn't leaving it real wide open. You know what I mean? Wasn't like leading, wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of leading on going on. Wasn't like a Caleb Kelly kind of a thing. Um, you know, uh, uh, a Swift kind of a thing. So, you know, who else was in that 2012 class with T Shepard and not Greenberry? Who? Devonte Neal. Oh God. One of the weirdest stories of all time. Uh, no, because the weirdest story of the time is the number one ranked kid in that class. And that's Gunnar Keel. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati Bearcat. Great. I mean, Will Mahome was in that class. Um, you know, uh, I remember I'm everybody was up the, in arms about Scott. On my Davis? way down to the Louisville game, I uh, I stopped in Columbus, Indiana, just to uh, just I've never been there. I never stopped in Columbus, Indiana before, uh, so I stopped at a Culver's on the way down. <laughs> there just to say I uh, was in the town of Gunner Kill. Just kind of like one of those chuckle things, you know. All right, well I think that we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, like I said, it, needless to say, there are tons of villains. If you're listening to this, this will be posted up on the site. So please list your villains. I mean, we we missed some. We know it. We're not. This wasn't a definitive list of uh, Notre Dame villains, and everyone's got their own personal stories of how how you were hurt. Brad Brad thought that uh, he said it a few maybe a month or so ago. We should put an uh, episode together. Was who hurt you? Who hurt you? And that's what villains do. They hurt you. Uh, I mean, so. And this the thing is, is, is the subjectivity of a villain is what makes it so great. Oh, for sure. 
for sure. I cannot believe we had Urban Meyer in the lightning round and BVG. And BVG. Yeah, that's uh, we failed. We've, we, we failed, but <laughs> we, we failed you all. So Tyler Palka was obviously weighing on my mind much more than Urban Meyer for some reason. <laughs> Tyler fucking Palko. The 2004 season was, uh, was a uh, catalyst for a lot of things. <laughs> all right. So we're going to get out of here again. Uh, subscribe, rate, review. Appreciate all of it. Check out everything we're doing over at uh, onefootdown.com. It's basketball season, hockey season. Football season's not over with. We got National Signing Day, the early period coming up here in less than two weeks. Uh, on Sunday, we'll find out uh, Notre Dame's bowl destination, if not uh, Saturday night. I mean, we, we're going to the Camping World Bowl. It's just a matter of uh, which team it's going to be. Um, and so we'll, we'll dive into all that. Uh, but as we're in the Christmas season and watching our Christmas movies, um, and knowing that, you know, every good hero has a villain and Notre Dame is definitely that hero and they definitely have some villains. So for us to you go Irish. <laughs>